Bibles now, if you would please, to the Gospel of John, chapter 18. We're continuing our study of John's Gospel today, and actually we've reached one of those milestones in our study because we're in our 60th lesson now after 16 months of going through the Gospel of John. And we notice as we've read John's Gospel that uh, if you've studied the other Gospel accounts, John doesn't say things in exactly the same way or record some of the things that we find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those Gospels are called synoptic Gospels, and what that simply means is that they take the same viewpoint. But John's looking at things just a little bit differently, and his purpose in this book is to show us that Jesus Christ truly is the Son of God, He's the Messiah, and He is the Savior of the world. Now, in today's message, we're going to look at a tragic occurrence in the life of one of Jesus' most prominent disciples. We talked about him last week. Uh, We saw him in his vigorous defense of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus was betrayed and arrested, Peter was there. And Peter had a much different reaction to that crisis that was going on than the Lord had. You remember, Jesus acted very coolly, calmly in the crisis. He had everything under control. But Peter drew out a sword and he struck the high priest's servant's ear, cut it off, And as Peter drew that sword, he was showing his disobedience to the will of God. Now, we do know, of course, that Jesus was arrested. And the only reason that he could be arrested was because Jesus had allowed it. I mean, actually, they had tried many times before to take Jesus, but they couldn't. He didn't allow it. But now, Jesus says, my hour has come. Now's the time. And Jesus allowed himself to be arrested. Well, in that arrest, he was first taken to the high priest And we're going to talk about the trial before the high priest next week. But there was another trial that was going on when that took place. And that was a trial in the heart of Peter. And this was when Peter was questioned about his faith. When he was challenged about his faith, Peter had a trial. I want to talk about that today, and we can read about it here in the Gospel of John. So if you please stand with me in reverence for the reading of God's Word. We're going to look at John chapter 18, beginning with verse number 12. Verse number 12, then the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him and led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. Now Caiaphas was he who gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple which was known unto the high priest. Now, we believe that disciple is John. He often refers to himself this way in the third person. But Peter stood at the door without, then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? He saith, I am not. And I want you to notice just how brutally honest that the Word of God is. Peter, as we know, is one of the heroes of the Scripture, and the Bible could have left out the failings of Peter, but it doesn't do that. Verse number 18, And the servants and the officers stood there who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Now, if you'll skip down to verse number 25, please. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself, They said, therefore, unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, 
Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the reading of your word today. We ask you, Lord, that you might show us something from your word, that you draw hearts close to you. And as we speak on the subject today about the denial of Jesus, I just pray, Lord, that we might not have it in our hearts that we would ever want to deny you. Bless in this service today. Draw our hearts close to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to speak to you today on the subject, Have You Denied Jesus? Now, perhaps there may have been a time in your life that you had an opportunity to stand up for Jesus or an opportunity to declare your faith, but instead of telling people that you were a Christian, instead you just stayed in the background and you didn't let anybody know that you were really a believer in Christ. I can remember about 10 years ago when I was in junior high school that um, I had my... You believe that, don't you? I had my first science class in, in junior high uh, where the teachers were teaching evolution. Now, I hadn't really been exposed to that very much. Uh, this was quite a while ago. It was a little bit longer than 10 years ago. I, I wasn't really much exposed to the teaching of evolution. This was the first science class where we actually had to dissect something. So we had to dissect the frog in this science class. And the purpose, of course, the teacher was trying to show us some things. And what he was going to show us was how that uh, these animals, these lower life forms, eventually evolved into other animals. And eventually they became human beings. Now, I thought that that was reasonable. I mean, by looking at him, after all, he, he had bug eyes and he croaked a lot as well. I thought, well, that might be a little bit reasonable. But we had to write a report about evolution. And I remember telling the teacher that, yes, I will write your report. But I want you to know that I don't believe anything about what I'm going to write here. I, I don't believe in evolution. I do believe that frogs were always frogs. And despite your looks, men have always been men. And I, and I really, I stood up for my faith at that time. But I would have to tell you that throughout my life, I wish that I had been as brave as I was in that junior high school class. Because there have been some times when I haven't been as brave as I should be to really stand up and to declare my faith. And there may be some of you that you've experienced that, that you haven't told people about your faith in Christ and you really haven't stood up for the Lord. Now, I doubt very seriously that there's anybody in this room today that you've been asked this question point blank, are you a Christian? Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? And you looked that person in the eye and you said, I am not. I am not a believer in Jesus. I doubt very seriously anybody who's ever done that. But I also doubt that there's anyone here today that if you were to admit that you believe in Jesus, that someone would take your life for having said that. Now, I don't want to talk so much today to you about open-faced, uh, outright verbal denial of Jesus. I don't want to speak of it in that way. But I do want to show you that there are some ways in which we deny the Lord. Now, these may, they may be more subtle than just saying outrightly, I do not believe in Jesus but they're denials of him just the same. And there's a pattern that we fall into. There's a way and there's a path that we follow. There's a road that we take that will end up in denial of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to talk about that first of all today. I want to speak to you about the low road of denial. How is it that a Christian actually comes to the place that he will deny the Lord? I mean, do you actually ever come to a time in your life as a Christian that you say, well, no, I've decided, I mean, you just wake up one day and you say, 
I don't want to believe in Jesus anymore. I don't trust him anymore. I, I don't believe that he's my savior. I'm tired of Christianity. I'm trying to, tired of following the Lord. So I'm just not going to believe in Jesus any longer. Does anybody ever wake up in the morning and do that? I don't think it happens that way. In fact, I don't believe it can happen that way. I don't believe that there's any person who will ever, who is a saved child of God, who will end up saying with just a point-blank statement, I do not believe in Jesus. I am not going to be a follower of Jesus any longer. I don't believe that happens. But I do believe that we get into a pattern, we develop a pattern, there's some things that happen in our lives, and gradually we are transformed into ways that we begin to deny Jesus. Now, I want you to notice some things here today that you need to watch out for. When you get on to this low road of denial, there's some checkpoints that you're going to pass, and you need to watch out for these checkpoints because either you are in denial or you're on your way to denial when you hit this checkpoint along the road. Let's talk about some of those things. The first one is you forget your promises. You forget your promises. Now, it was just a few hours before this that Peter made a very strong statement about his faith. Peter made a vow to the Lord. In fact, Peter made a very emphatic vow to the Lord. After Jesus and the disciples had finished eating the Lord's Supper, after they had eaten the Passover meal, Jesus turned to those disciples and he said to them, Every one of you is going to be offended at me this night. Every one of you, without exception, you are all going to deny me. Peter looked at Jesus and he said, Lord, I'll never deny you. He looked at Jesus and he said, now maybe Matthew, perhaps he will deny you. Maybe Philip will deny you. Maybe James, he'll deny you. But Lord, I'll never deny you. And he said, Lord, if you go to the death and if I have to die, I will never deny you. And yet we find just a few hours later, Peter forgot that promise. He did this very thing. He denied the Lord. Now, I want to remind you of something today, that a vow to the Lord is a very serious matter. You may forget promises, but God does not forget promises. When Moses was speaking to the children of Israel, he said, This thing hath the Lord commanded. And in Numbers chapter 30, verse 2, he said, If a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. You ever made a promise to the Lord that you went back on? You ever said, Lord, I'll do something, and you didn't do it? Have you broken a promise to God? You ever had this happen to you, that you've been in a hospital room, and perhaps there's a loved one there who's dying? Maybe your father, your mother, maybe a child of yours? And you got down on your knees or in your heart, you began to speak to God and you said, Lord, if you will just heal this child, if you'll just heal my dad or you'll heal my mom, I promise you, Lord, I am going to serve you for the rest of my life. I will serve you if you'll just answer this prayer. I'll be faithful. You ever done that? And then when that person recovered, did you forget that you made the promise? You know, I've seen that happen many times. I've actually been in hospital rooms where I've sat down with people and I've told them, here is the time for you to get right with God. If you expect that God's going to answer your prayers, then you need to get the sin out of your life. You need to get right with God. You need to start doing what you're supposed to do. God will answer your prayer and you need to make that promise right now. And people will say, yes, I will make that promise. I promise God I'm going to serve him. But then just as soon as the crisis is over... Just as soon as that loved one is healed and things get back to normal, they forget all about the promise that they made to God. 
I've seen people who get into financial problems and they begin to pray to the Lord and they say, Lord, if you'll just take care of this financial problem, if you'll help me out of this mess that I'm in, I promise you, Lord, I'm going to serve you faithfully. I promise you I'll be at church. I'll give my tithes and my offerings exactly as I'm supposed to. Lord, just help me out of the financial crisis. And you know something? The Lord delivers them. He helps them. And it's not long before they forget about that promise. They stop tithing and they go right back the way they were before. They spend every last nickel on themselves. They have forgotten the promise. And you know what that is? That is a denial of the Lord. You deny Jesus when you do that. People will say, well, I'll be faithful in church. I'll give my tithes. Whatever it is that you require of me, Lord, this is the thing that I'll do. And they don't do it. And that is denial. That's turning your back on God and you are denying him. You forget the promise. And folks, that's exactly what happened to Peter. He forgot this promise. And in this case, it was a promise that was only made hours before. He didn't go through with the promise. You know, there's a, there's a great line in that old hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And, and the line says, Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And you know, I think we're all prone to wonder. We're all prone to get away from God at certain times. And we do, we do. Many times we go back on our promises. And if you find yourself in that place, if you've done that, you're on the low road of denial. That's a checkpoint. And either you have denied Jesus or you will deny him. Now, the next thing is, you're on this road if you find out that you failed to pray. If you fail to pray. Now, I want you to turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 26. Turn there for just a moment. When Jesus first went into the Garden of Gethsemane with the disciples, the Bible tells us that he went there to pray. Judas was familiar with Jesus' custom of doing that. He knew that the disciples often went there. Jesus went there to pray. And that's why he told the chief priest and those who came to arrest Jesus, he said, here's where you'll find him. He'll be in the garden. I know that he's going to pray there because he often does that. Jesus is now talking about his death. This is a good time to arrest him. So you go to the garden. That's where he'll be. Look at Matthew 26 and verse number 36, if you would, please. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh to the disciples and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So Jesus gave a command for the disciples to pray. In verse number 41, he says, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. But do you know that there's not even one of those disciples who did what Jesus said? And Jesus spoke to Peter specifically about this. Peter could not even keep the simplest of commands that Jesus gave him. Here's a man who says, I will not deny thee. I'll go with you to my death. 
And yet Peter would not do that one simple thing that Jesus commanded for him to do. Now there was Jesus. He was in the most stressful position of his life. Here he was. He knows that he's going to the cross. He knows that prior to that cross, he will be beaten. He'll be mocked. He'll be scourged. Nails will be driven into his hands and to his feet. He knows that he's going there to suffer for the sins of all who believe in him. And Peter can't pray. Peter can't do the simplest of things to pray for the Lord. So Jesus prayed and the disciples slept. He came back and he said, can't you just pray for one hour? You ever tried to do that? You ever tried to pray for just an hour? Well, they couldn't do it. And folks, do you know this? That if Peter had done what Jesus had asked, I don't believe that Peter would have ended up in denial. If Peter had just done, had done what Jesus required of him to do, to pray and to be strengthened, he said, if you'll pray, you won't enter into temptation. And so here is Peter. He doesn't pray like the Lord says. And as I spoke last week, when he woke up from that sleep, you know what he did? He drew out his sword. First thing he did, took out the sword and went and cut off somebody's ear. And it's all because he was not praying as Jesus told him to pray. God would have revealed his will to him if he just pray, had prayed as he should. Now, when you find it difficult to pray and you don't pray, I want to tell you something. You're right for denial. Prayer is what strengthens us. Prayer is what keeps us out of those positions where we don't do God's will. And so when you won't pray, you're ready for denial. So that's a checkpoint. How's your prayer life? Are you spending time with God? And if you don't, you're going to end up denying Jesus. So you don't keep your promises. You fail to pray. And those are checkpoints along that low road of denial. Now, here's a third thing that you find on this road. Another checkpoint is that you fear persecution. What was Peter's fear? Well, he was in the garden. He, he saw they, they had forcibly arrested Jesus. They came out against him with swords and with spears. And you know what Peter was afraid of? He was afraid that they would do the same to him. And so when there was a young girl who recognized him, she walked up to him and says, Now, aren't you one of his disciples? And he said, no, I'm not. And he denied Jesus. Now, Peter was afraid that the same thing would happen to him. If he admitted his faith, then he would be taken as a prisoner as well. And so he denied the Lord. He said, I'm not a Christian. Now, how does that relate to you and me? Well, I think it relates in this way, is that there are some of you that you'll leave here today and you'll go right back into the closet again. And you'll be that closet Christian that you've been. You don't want anybody to know that you're, that you're a, a child of God. See, people are, are so afraid of what somebody's going to think about them, what they're going to say about them if they admit they're a Christian. And they, they're not concerned at all about what God thinks and what God says about them. And so some of you, you'll leave here today and you'll forget all about being a Christian on the outside. Now, when you come in here, it's easy to shine for God. We're all of like mind. We're all agreeable right here. We've come to worship the Lord today. So you'll sing the songs. You'll pray the prayers. There's no problem with that. Everybody agrees with you here. You're not going to deny Jesus here. But you'll go out there. You'll forget that you're a Christian because you're afraid of what somebody at work, somebody where you, where you go to school, whatever it is, you're afraid that they're going to know that you're a Christian. And so you'll deny Jesus in that way. Now, folks, here's what we don't need. We don't really need more light inside of this building. We've got plenty of light in here. The Holy Spirit is here. uh, When when we meet together, God's Spirit is with us. Most of you, as I look over the congregation, I know your profession of faith. I know that you're a child of God. And I know that 
We don't have a problem with the light of God shining in here. The problem is out there. There's no light out there. There's wickedness. There's darkness. There are people who are against God. We don't need the light in here. We need light out there. And that's why when you leave this place today, don't be afraid to say that you're a believer in Jesus. When you go to work, don't be afraid to let people know that you're a Christian. And I'll tell you something else. If you've been a, a working at a particular place for, for a, a period of time, people ought to know that you're a Christian. They ought not to wonder about that. You remember this little story I told you? It was about, it was last year sometime. We were preaching in John. And you may remember this comment that I made about G. Campbell Morgan. He was a prominent preacher in, the, in England in the beginning of the last century. And G. Campbell Morgan had one of his church members come up to him. And this church member said, Dr. Morgan, I invited one of my co-workers to come to church. And he said, the man looked at me and he said, you mean you're a Christian? I'm a Christian too. What do you think about that, Dr. Morgan? And G. Campbell Morgan said, well, here's what I think. I don't think either one of you are Christians. And why did he say that? He said, because I don't see how two people can work together for five years and neither one of them know that the other's a Christian. How could you work together that long without talking about this? The light needs to shine out there, folks. And if you're afraid to be the same Christian at work as you are in your church, I'm telling you where you are right now. You're in denial of Jesus. That's a low road of denial. It's a warning sign, and you need to be aware of it. Now, here's the fourth thing that you may do, you may be aware of when you're on this low road, is that you fellowship with the wrong people. Now, look at verse 18 in our text, if you would, please. And the servants and the officers stood there who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warned himself. Let's read a little bit between the lines here. Peter stood with them. Peter was there with the enemies of Christ. Now, here's Peter, this strong disciple, supposedly, who will not deny Jesus, who will stand with Jesus in the death. Peter's standing there with the enemies of Christ, warming himself at their fire. He's standing with them, and Peter was not being an influence on those people. Peter was being influenced by them. In Luke 22, verse 55, the scripture says that Peter did something else. It says that he sat with them. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. So he walked to the fire, he stood with them, and then he sat with them. Does that sound a little bit familiar? Does that sound like an Old Testament text that we know very well that we've read? It does, doesn't it? Psalm chapter 1, verse number 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Folks, here's what happens when you get around the wrong people. First of all, you walk up to them. Then you stand around with them. You engage in their conversation. And it's not long before you sit down with them. That's what Peter did. He was there conversing with the enemies of Christ. I want you to make a note right here. I want you to make a note to remind yourself to do this. You need to read Matthew Henry's commentary on these verses. If you have eSword, if you have that computer program, if you don't have it, I recommend that you get it. And you can get it free. Talk to me about it or one of the members of the church. Get eSword, download uh, Matthew Henry's commentary. 
Go on the internet. You can find these things there. You can find Matthew Henry's commentary there. Have it at home. Read this. I'm just going to read you a small portion. Here's what Matthew Henry said. He said, What a contradiction is this to the prayer of every good man. Gather not my soul with sinners. Saul among the prophets is not so absurd as David among the Philistines. Those that deprecate the lot of the scornful hereafter should dread the seed of the scornful now. It is ill warming ourselves with those with whom we are in danger of burning ourselves. There's Peter's problem. He identified himself with the enemies of Christ. He denied. He says, I'd rather sit with you than I would to stand with Jesus. You remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6? He said, be ye not unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Do you know the answers to those questions? You know, actually, those are rhetorical questions. I'm going to answer them for you anyway. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? None. What communion hath light with darkness? None. What concord hath Christ with Belial? None. What part does he that believe have with an infidel? None. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? None. None, 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 none. That's the answer to the questions. Here's the application for us today, folks. Many of you work in an atmosphere that's ungodly. There are things that are going on in your work. God's name is taken in vain. There's rank profanity. There's infidelity. There's unrighteousness. There's unholiness. And the question is, are you going to stand with them? Are you going to sit with them? Or are you going to stand up for Jesus? That's the question. Now, here is Peter. He's in the midst of his own trial. And folks, I want to tell you something. He blew it. He blew it. He had an opportunity, but he failed the test. He wanted to be with them and to be like them. Matthew Henry said, Doubtless they were diverting themselves with this night's expedition, scoffing at Christ and at what he had said and at what he had done and triumphing in their victory over him. So there's a little teenage girl that non-threateningly comes up to Peter and says, Are you a Christian? Are you a believer? Are you a disciple? And Peter said, No, I am not. Another man sees Peter and he asks him, Are you a Christian? And Peter says, No, I'm not. Still a third man comes up to him. This man says, Well, you sound like one who companies with Jesus. Your speech sounds like a Galilean. You must be one of his disciples. And Peter said, no, I am not a disciple. And then the Bible says that Peter cursed. He tried to prove that he wasn't a disciple of Christ. He cursed. Peter says, you have the wrong person. Here's the problem. Peter's with the wrong people and he's with the wrong crowd. Now, parents, I want to warn you about something right now. You need to intervene immediately. If your children are with the wrong people, you need to intervene right now because you're going to be sorry later if you don't. I've seen it happen so many times. Young people get with the wrong crowd and they end up in, in, in all kinds of problems. You know, someone wisely said, you lie down with dogs, you're going to get up with fleas. And that's exactly what happens. I've seen it happen before. You know, I spent 12 years as a youth pastor and, I, and I've seen... Young girls, teenage girls who wanted to date a boy who wasn't saved. 
And they thought, you know, I'm going to be a good influence on him. I'll be able to win him to the Lord. It doesn't work. It seldom works that way. This young girl who thinks that, well, I'm going to be a great missionary for Jesus. You know, some people term it that way. Missionary dating. I'm going to win him to the Lord. It doesn't happen that way. You don't become an influence on that person. They influence you. And it happens so many times. And a good Christian girl will end up in denial if she's with the wrong boy and vice versa. The wrong crowd. The wrong crowd will drag you down. But folks, I'm not just talking about young people here. And I'm talking about just teenagers. Some of you adults, you've got the wrong friends. You're hanging around with the wrong crowd. You fellowship with them. You go to their parties. You have a good time with them, but they're not Christians. Guess what? You're not influencing them. They're influencing you. And if you look at your life and you begin to examine it, you'll find out you haven't been following Jesus as you should. You've been denying Jesus. You get in with the wrong crowd and it's going to happen. Now here, Paul does not say this for no good reason. He doesn't say for no good reason, come out from among them and be ye separate. There's a reason behind this because he knows what's going to happen. It's a spiral downward. It always goes down. And that's why he says, come out ye from among them. You'll end up denying Jesus. Now today we've been talking about denial. It's a spiral downward. You might find yourself at one of these checkpoints. Maybe you're guilty of one, two, four, I don't know. You may be guilty of these things. But I want you to know something today. Denial is not the place that you have to stay. Jesus knew that Peter would deny him. He warned him about it. He said, Peter, I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And folks, this thing can be reversed. Peter did get turned around. And I want to tell you something. If you're traveling that low road of denial right now, you don't have to stay on that road. You can get off of it because there is another road. And this road is the high road of devotion. That's the road that you need to be traveling. You know, it's easy for you to go down. You can backslide. Sliding down, that's easy. You ever see anybody slide uphill? You don't slide uphill. It takes steadfast determination to get back up the hill. And this is what you have to do if you're going to get things right with God. You've got to proceed with determination. Folks, this would have been a very sad story if it all ended right here. If this all ended right here, it's sad for us to read it. But it doesn't end here because things change. It doesn't end in failure. There's no final apostasy here. There's no final denial because Peter comes back and he's used by God again. And you know why? Because he got devoted to God. He dedicated himself to God. He got right back where he was supposed to be. But it took determination for him to do that. Now, how do you do it? How do you get from the place that you're in now to the place that you need to be? Well, let me give you the answers to that. Three quick answers. You're traveling this road, and you need to look at the checkpoints that are on the road, the high road of devotion. The first one is that you repent of your ungodly practices. Repent of them. What's repentance? You know, that's a good old Bible word. Lots of people don't understand it, though. Repentance means for you to stop it. It means to turn around, go the opposite direction. You know, someone said about sin, admit it, quit it, and forget it. And that's what you need to do. Admit the sin, quit the sin. You know, I was preaching on Wednesday night a few weeks ago in the book of Ephesians, and we were talking about sin. And there's something I told you then. If you were here, you heard this. I said, you don't need to pray about the sin in your life. You need to quit the sin in your life. Too many people spend too much time praying about their sin in their life instead of stopping the sin in their life. That's what you need to do. The Bible doesn't say pray about it. It says quit it. You just stop sinning. When you've admitted it and you've quit it, 
then the next thing that you need to do is you need to forget it because you need to realize that God has already purchased your forgiveness. If you're a child of God, he's already purchased your forgiveness. There's no sense you beating yourself up over the thing. Just get right with God and then proceed with obedience. Just do what God says. Now, there are many people, you know, they they just want to rededicate their lives. You You ever heard about the constant rededicators? They're the people that... At the invitation time, they run up the aisle just about every week or every so often. They kneel down to the steps right here and they say, you know, I'm going to rededicate my life, preacher. I'm going to get right with God, rededicate my life. And that's all they ever do. They just keep rededicating, rededicating, rededicating. The Bible says repent. The Bible says forget it. Stop it. Don't keep rededicating. Quit the sin that you're in. Remember when I was telling you about that guy that was praying all the time, Lord, clean the cobwebs out of my life? You remember that? He just kept praying, Lord, clean the cobwebs out of my life. Every time he was called on to pray, he said, Lord, clean the cobwebs out of my life. Over and over again, clean the cobwebs out of my life. Finally, somebody got tired of hearing that, and they stopped in the middle of his prayer, and they said, Lord, kill the spider. And that's what has to be done. Get rid of the sin. Stop the sin. Kill the spider. Repent of it. So Peter had some stark reminders about this. I mean, what he had done. Peter had some stark reminders about after his denial. Because the Bible says the rooster crowed. The cock crowed. You know, that's just like Jesus said. But that isn't all. Because we go to Luke 22. And Luke records that Peter denied. And in that moment, Jesus turned around and looked at Peter. Squarely in the eye. Jesus looked at Peter. Whoa. Would you like to have been under that gaze at that moment? Can you imagine what Peter felt in his heart when Jesus looked at him? And that's when Peter remembered what Jesus said. He said, before this night's over, you're going to deny me, and you'll do it three times. And the Bible says Peter went out, and he wept bitterly. I want to ask you something. When you deny the Lord, does that break your heart? Are you saddened about your sin? Do you have any feeling about your sin at all? Are you saddened about what you do against, against the Lord? Did you know this, that, that every time that, that you condemn someone without a cause, the rooster crows? Every time that you gossip about somebody, the rooster crows? Every time that you're indifferent towards someone who needs love and compassion from you, the rooster crows? What I want to know today is, are you sorrowful about that? Are you sad because you've sinned against the Lord? Peter heard the rooster crow. Every day, a lot of us, I think, are hearing that rooster crow. The point is, do you realize it? And do you repent of the sin? Turn from those ungodly practices. When you pass that checkpoint, there's another one. That's to return to God's people. You see, from this point, Peter could have left the disciples and... At that point, he could have been a spiritual nobody. We, we, we might not even have read about Peter if, if we didn't know the change that took place because Peter could have drifted away. He could have got completely away from God's people and Peter may never have gone back to the disciples. But that's not what Peter did. Now, as we look at two people, Judas and Peter, they seem very similar, don't they? Because Judas betrayed Jesus and Peter denied him. And they have similarities. Judas... Was, was sorry in one sense. I mean, he, he took that 30 pieces of silver. He took the blood money and it took, took, took the money back to those guys who paid him to betray Jesus. He threw it, at their, threw it at their feet. What did Judas do? Well, he gave a refund. He didn't repent. He gave a refund. 
And the Bible says he didn't go back to God's people. He didn't go back to the disciples. Judas went out and he hung himself. But what did Peter do? Peter repented. He went out and he wept bitterly. And then he went back to God's people. You know, at the resurrection, there was an angel that was there. And the angel spoke to the women who had come to anoint the body of Jesus. And the angel said, but go your way. Tell the disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee, and there shall you see him as he said unto you. You ever wonder about that scripture? Why does he say, tell the disciples, and then specifically he mentions Peter? Why did the angel say that? You know, I have, kind of have a feeling that that's God's way of telling Peter, hey man, you're back in the fold. I've forgiven you for what you've done. You've come back. That's what we need to do. Return to God's people. Now, if you failed the Lord, the thing to do is return. Return to God's people. God's forgiveness is waiting for you. God says that he will forgive. And when you're doing that, you're traveling the high road of devotion. Forgiveness has been obtained. You just need to realize that it's there. Now, here's the third thing. Finally, you need to do this. You need to reestablish godly principles. Now, let's fast forward to the resurrection. Three denials are over. The trial of Jesus is over. The crucifixion is over. And now Jesus appears to the disciples after the resurrection. And Jesus went to Peter in John chapter 21, and he spoke to Peter specifically. And he said to him, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Jesus asked him, asked him a second time, Peter, do you love me? And then Jesus asked him a third time, Peter, do you love me? And this time we don't have three denials, we have three affirmatives. Yea, Lord, I lo- you know that I love you. You see, Peter now has his priorities straight. He's back on the right track. He's on the road of devotion. In 50 days, he preached that great sermon on Pentecost. Thousands of people got saved and God was using Peter again. And you know what we remember about Peter now? Now, we know about the denial. We've just read about that and studied about it. But we don't think so much about Peter and his denial. Now, today, we think of rock-solid Peter and Peter who said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter did not end up in final denial because he was kept by the power of God. He never denied Jesus again. You know, tradition tells us that Peter was crucified also. He was on a cross also, but tradition says that he was crucified upside down. Peter did what he said he would do at the first. He did die for Jesus, and he didn't deny his faith. I want to ask you that question today. Have you denied Jesus? When you leave here today, are you going to be a light out there? Are people going to know that you're a Christian? Now, you you may not deny Jesus in so many words, but your life may say that you're in denial. You don't want people to know that you're a Christian. I want to tell you today, get off the low road of denial and turn around and get on the high road of devotion to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the lessons that we learn from Peter. 
And we're thankful, Lord, that we can look back today and we see that although Peter did deny you, there was a moment of weakness and he did the wrong thing. And yet, Lord, he repented of that sin and with open arms you received him back. And Lord, I hope that you'll show that to some Christian here today, that although we may deny you, our lifestyle may not say that we're Christians, but that can be turned around. We need to repent of our sin and the forgiveness is there. And I just pray, Lord, you lead your people back to you. If there's someone here today that needs to make that change, that needs to turn around, I just pray the Holy Spirit would speak to their heart today when that person would come back to you. Then, Lord, I pray for those today that aren't saved. And I know, Lord, we've been preaching mostly to Christians, but I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit might be here this morning, that your Spirit would begin to work in the heart of someone today and show them that they're a sinner so that they can come in faith to you. Bless in this invitation today, and we give you the praise for all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.